0: This is Jaskaran Singh Sandhu, the Executive Director with the World Sikh Organization of Canada, bringing to you a bonus episode for this week of Ask Canadian Sikhs, the podcast. Over the course of April, we've been celebrating Sikh Heritage Month here in Canada, and the WSO held four different panel conversations across the country with Sikh women working in the back rooms of politics. As campaign managers, advisors, and staffers from across the political spectrum and from various levels of government. We discuss the challenges and successes that Sikh women face in politics and how the Sikh community can better support women in the political space. A space that has traditionally been dominated by men or folks that we call with a great deal of love our uncles. So after the jump, you will hear the panel conversation from Brampton at PAMA. Enjoy.
1: My name is Pradeep Gore and I will be your MC for today's event. Um, before I begin, I would like to thank the Sikh Heritage Month Organizing Committee for all the hard work that they've put into this month's events. Thank you so much for you know, harboring a space where Sikhs, um, all, all ages can come and other members of our communities can come and be a part of such an experience. Thank you for your work in showcasing the arts and always promoting activism. Today's event, I would also like to thank the World Sikh Organization. Uh, the Roadstick organization has launched their newest initiative known as CORE's Vote. So, from the name, you can probably guess this is an event. Um, and an or, uh, a charter of the world sick organization which is powered and fueled by women for women and our aim with this is basically to just get uh, You know a conversation started a conversation started amongst you know women from all, all three parties um, Women who may be heavily involved in politics or women who have never ever stepped foot within a political office or any sort of political sphere so I would like to introduce our panel today. We have three extraordinary women today who've come for, all from their different respective parties. Um, and our event today will be facilitated by our moderator, Gerba Gore. I would like to also acknowledge the fact that events like this have never happened before, okay? So this is the first event um, being launched by the WSO. And it is the first of four events that we have scheduled so far. So after us, following uh, in later dates of this month, will be Calgary, Edmonton, Surrey. And we're hoping that this event grows um, and we can get a panel started in every province, hopefully. The most interesting part about today's panel is this is actually our youngest panel. So that says a lot to the kind of dedication and initiative these women have taken into establishing themselves within our communities. I would also like to recognize the fact that events like this and a panel like this would never have been even a a possibility. And opportunities like this were never available in the past. I, I, my first experience, um, an introduction into politics, was at the age of nine, and I remember the first time that I volunteered in a, uh, you know, a, 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 cam- a party cam- a nomination and all that. There was something missing. There were strong female role models missing. I used to go to the offices and I would go to campaigns with my dad and my sister, you know, and I would see people involved, but I always noticed that the people. In the you know in the office or in the upper seat where all of it was mainly ma- ma- male-dominated and there was always that Benji missing you know who I could look at and be like oh my gosh I want to be like her and it's great to see that today um, you know for our future generations so many young women and so many young girls can actually look at a panel like this and say hey I can be one of them so with that I would like to start off with Karen Gill Karen Gill um, established herself as a political insider with the talent for digital media and community outreach. And over time, she's transformed her passion for politics into a successful and rapidly developing career. uh, Karen got started in politics at a very grassroots level, as most of us usually do. She volunteered and then became an integral member of Ruby Sahoda's campaign team, um, helping her really get that uh, win with the federal riding of Brampton North Um, and it was a part of a historic landslide victory. Karen is currently working with MP Sahota as her executive assistant and she oversees and coordinates the work of two offices um, in two different cities which that on its own is a very big undertaking because working out of one office alone I know is very hard. Um, Karen also stepped outside of her comfort zone recently and managed Gurpreet Bain's campaign for regional council. And earlier today, Karen, you know, she's busy and even today, even though she had one event, she was at another event co-hosting her first radio show. So with plans to uh, start co-hosting a Punjabi TV show, as she seeks to break into Peel's very male-dominated ethnic media space. She continues to use every opportunity to advocate for her hometown of Brampton and to push for the empowerment of more young women and girls. So you've got quite the experience behind you, but I kind of want to know, Karen, how did you get involved, um, you know, and what pushed you to pursue? Um,
2: so I actually love telling this story. I was doing my master's back in 2015, um, and I had stayed away from political parties because I didn't want that overt connection. I wanted to go into academia. and. Political science departments are a lot more political than politics, so I was trying to keep my distance, um, and got into my master's and realized, wow, everyone around me had worked with camp- uh, had worked with cabinet ministers and MPs and whatnot, and I was like, okay, I've got no experience. I can't stand in front of a classroom and preach about politics if I haven't actually done it. So it was about March 2015. I was going through the different leaders, going through the local candidates in Brampton. And I picked a couple that I felt could really represent me. Um, It was 2 a.m. and I sent an email going, hey, I'm a grad student, know nothing about politics. I've got some time over the summer, want to get involved. Um, Ruby was the only one that responded back. And it was kind of like a snowball down a really, really steep hill. And three and a half years later, four years later, here I am.
1: That's awesome. I love the fact Send that you also email had. At two <laughs> <laughs> I'm also glad that you had that female mentor um, to help you get involved. Yes, for sure. Our next panelist is Navi Kaur. Um, Navi, many of you might recognize, has been involved for many years as a community activist and organizer in the Peel region, now for over eight years. Um, and mainly she's been focusing on issues such as mental health, empowerment of women in politics, and encouraging arts in the South Asian communities. Um, over the years I've also seen Navi many times involved with the PAMA events and Sikh Heritage Month. So thank you for joining us again today. In, uh, she's a designated project management professional who's worked in both the private and public sectors. In 2017, Navi set out on her most ambitious project yet, um, and that was to elect the Honourable Jagmeet Singh. Um, and congratulations to you guys, because you guys did create history um, and, you know, changed those textbooks for future generations. As a field director, Navi mobilized hundreds of volunteers across the country, many youth from marginalized communities, um, and to sign up party members and to really get out that vote at the grassroots level. Navi has worked as a volunteer, she's been an organizer, and she's also taken the role of being a leader. With the support of her team and advisors, Navi helped make NDP party history by securing by securing the victory for Jagmeet Singh. Um, so, Navi, I know I've, I've seen you over the years many times, um, being involved with obviously a lot of activism projects to begin with and then with Jagmeet's office. Um, but what motivated you? What really gave you that push? Because I know you've been doing this from a very young age. So, yeah. what was that? Um, so, I first got
3: exposure to politics um, kind of from at home. So, you know, I, I came from a home where policies and election nights were something that we watched and we discussed and we debated at home. Um, I saw my mom, who works in a, a union environment, um, kind of champion and, and be a part of arbitrations growing up, um, and who herself was very vocal, so kind of always saw that growing up. and. Um, when I kind of first got exposed to it was in 2011 uh, when Jigmeet first ran. Um, I was also in my, under- oh, that was my post-grad, but in my undergrad I did political science as a minor um, and I got exposure to that as well, um, because my brother was studying it and we would talk about these things. So a lot of it came from home and from having open discussions about policies. Um, And from 2011 to about 2014, I just volunteered and helped out. And then in 2014, I became full-time staffer. Um, And it just, again, like Guinan said, it just snowballed from there and I got a very unique experience to kind of spearhead and run a
1: nationwide campaign, which was amazing. It's quite impressive. Um, and next we have Tanya. Tanya um, just finished her legal studies. So with a lot of our other panelists, um, one thing I find very unique about Tanya is she is, I believe, our youngest panelist on today. Um, and that says a lot to the kind of dedication and initiative that she takes in her undertakings. Uh, she, with an interest in public service, she's been involved in politics since the ninth grade. She started as a volunteer and, once again, always helped out with community events. Uh, she worked after that, um, and having exposure within campaigns, started working um, federally as a parliamentary assistant. and as well as that, she interned with the Cabinet Minister of Parliament in Ottawa. So safe to say, Tanya's had quite a lot of exposure um, on many different realms of politics, whether it be at the doors or in the big offices of the Hill. She is someone who has taken the opportunity to really hone her skills and um, her life lessons have helped her in grasping new opportunities. She now works as a legislative assistant at the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. And um, having helped on many federal campaigns, she is now hoping to catapult her career um, within politics and as well within law. So how did you get involved, Tanya?
4: So, like mentioned, uh, I initially got involved by volunteering. Um, I in the ninth grade, everybody's trying to look to fill out those 40 hours of volunteer that they have. And upon completing those, I really liked the work that I was doing. I liked helping out with community events, meeting people in the community, so which is why I stuck around. And upon finishing high school and you know transitioning into university, I really wanted some real experience. So I interviewed with the member and I got the job. And like the other two panelists said, it's kind of just been a snowball effect since then. And here I am today.
1: Awesome. Um, and lastly, we have Kirpa Kaur, <laughs> and I know Kirpa is not going to be too excited about me singing her praises, but many of this, many of us in this room um, have seen Kirpa over the years, really be a leader of our community. Um, I've known Kirpa literally since she was a little kid, um, and. Safe to say that I can kind of, you know, attest to the fact that Kirpa's been involved from a very young age. Um, Originally from Brampton, Ontario, she's been engaged, um, you know, within community involvement campaigns, and now many organizations such as the WSO. She's currently studying in the Clayton H. Riddell Graduate Program in political management. And throughout her university career, she spent two years uh, at Parliament Hill staffing a minister. Following that, she moved into public health agency in strategic communications, working on the risk and emergency communications files. So safe to say, very impressive work done so far. Other than that, you know, you would think someone would be very, very busy with having such a busy schedule, but somehow Kirpa still manages to find time for all her other community (laughs) events. And she's really passionate about community building and gender equality. Um, And that, you know, that's something to say about the kind of event that she's really put a lot of work into, into today's event for. So she joined the WSO board in 2015 and she's actually the youngest board member of the organization, Um, and not just at the moment. She is the youngest board member that they've ever had. She also serves as a board member for the Youth Services Bureau Foundation, and she's an uh, organizer of the Women's March in Ottawa. So Kippa, how did you get involved, (laughs) and why do you continue to be a part of such events?
5: So I kind of got involved similar to uh, the fellow ladies on my panel, but I owe it a lot to the lady in the blue sweater who's currently videotaping me. Um, So since I was born, my mom really made an effort to make sure that I was politically engaged. I remember doing book reports uh, at Brampton City Hall meetings when we were fighting developers. Um, I remember going to nominations. I remember going to campaign offices. I was making phone calls at the age of like five. And looking back, I don't think that was maybe the best decision for me, but it was something that I did with my mom. Um, So she kind of catapulted me to be the person that I am today. And yeah, that's why we stay involved.
1: So, as you guys can see, sorry, I put my mic away so I won't project my voice now. Um, We've got a very impressive panel. All three of these women come from their respective parties. And the most amazing thing about this is that even though they come from three different parties, they're all friends. They all get along. Um, You know, we've all been here for at least about an hour now. You know, I kind of, it was really nice to witness them all walking in and greeting one another and asking, hey, what's going on in your office? And what's going on? And what the projects are you starting on? And the beautiful thing about that is you get to see women empowerment. Um, Politics is often a a very male-dominated field. And, you know, there's, um, often men are kind of sticking to their own parties and you don't see that connection happening a lot. And the beautiful thing I find with our panel today is they really root for one another. Uh, They root for one another as women and they root for one another as women of colour within Sikh politics, within Canadian politics. So our aim today is hopefully that we can have a conversation, um, you know, and really get some information out on their experiences and how that can inspire the newer generation into getting involved. Um, You know, you don't necessarily always have to be a young person to get involved in politics. Um, With us for standing up here, we were very fortunate uh, from a very young age to have such exposure. Um, and I know even with us, Karen had that point that she didn't have that exposure. And, you know, she took the initiative at a later stage in life. And we want to kind of everyone to go away from this event today and this conversation knowing that all it takes is one email at 2 a.m. or, you know, going up to one friend, one campaign, one community event um, and you know, to really get involved. So I'm gonna hand it over to Girpa and hopefully Girpa we can kind of explore and really get to know your guys' stories and experiences within this crazy world of politics.
5: Thanks, Pradeep. Why Kalsa, why Gurjiki As Pradeep mentioned, my name is Girpa Gore and I will be moderating um, today's discussion. Um, So just some housekeeping, Uh, on your chairs, there was uh, a cue card uh, and some of you guys had pens. These are for questions. So as we get closer to the end of the panel, if you guys have any questions, see any holes in the questions that I may be asking, um, we will have volunteers bring those up to me. Um, If you are posting on social media, we ask that you please use the WSO handle. We're at worldsick.org on all platforms. and We really appreciate that. And it's important to note that this is not a partisan discussion. Each of these lovely ladies sitting next to me represent or work with a political party but the purpose of this conversation is not to throw partisan jabs at each other or anything like that this is a real conversation about the role that women play within the political sphere and as Pradeep mentioned this is a really big treat this is our first core votes event uh, ever for the WSO and I'm really excited Uh, we're going to be having BC tomorrow and as well as uh, Calgary and Edmonton later on so This initiative was created from the fact that we believe that politicians actively work to court the male members of our community, but somehow always leave the women behind. So when you think about the events that you go to, uh, the nomination meetings, the committee meetings, they're very male-dominated. Um, And when thinking about this event, I used to think about the family events that I went to. You know, the men are in one room, the women in the other room. What are the men talking about? I guarantee it's politics. Um, What are the women talking about? I don't know. That could be a number of things. So we really need to work to systematically change the way our community views female participation in politics. And the WSO really wanted to just give a platform to sick women to give them a voice and to openly discuss and work to challenge the barriers that we face. So now that we know a little bit about how uh, our panelists got involved, um, I wanted to ask you guys, these jobs are very outward facing. Many people don't realize how many community members and stakeholders we interact with on a daily basis. How did external stakeholders treat you in your role? And what was their perception of you in your role? Karen, if you'd like to start. Okay, fair enough. Um, So uh, the way I kind of
2: approach that question, the way I approach stakeholders or just anyone interacting with anyone in the political space is having kind of a self awareness about yourself and how you're perceived and using that to your advantage. I mean we're all, you know, small brown women on this panel and that comes with preconceived notions and biases when we get interacted with and I I kinda like to use that to my advantage um, and kind of understand where that pers- uh, where the person dealing with you is coming from. But at the end of the day, we're doing a job like anybody else's and so, you know, being professional, being courteous, being respectful, I think that goes a long way. I find, you know, just being nice um, allows stakeholders to kind of
5: treat you like a normal person. Never mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. do you anything to add? Um, Very similar, like it it is how you um, present yourself and your confidence and your ability to kind of, um, especially different types of stakeholders, like command that space. Um, And that doesn't come easy and so personally for me it's been through years of development and volunteering and and doing some of that work where you were able to speak up and present and, and talk to individuals, doing outreaches not easy. Um, so that was developed over time. So don't feel like it's something that, you know, comes naturally. Sometimes it's developed. Um, and then once you develop that, it's just kind of always owning your space. Um, and if you are there to do a job, like that's that's the hat you have to wear and say, you know what, I'm here to do a job. And, um, and stakeholders are really willing to work. Like there's, it's not, difficult. There, there's rarely moments, I would say, that there was, you know, heavy pushback because I was a female.
4: Perfect. Tanya, do you have anything to add? Yeah. So, my experience with stakeholders have also always been positive. Mm-hmm. I haven't, uh, you know, there's always going to be extremists who don't want to listen to rational thought or who just, you know, refuse to listen to any Explanation that you provide them and it's always kind of their way or the highway So there will always be those people but the the best way to deal with those people is to one have a thick skin I think just being involved in politics. You really need to build that thick skin for yourself Um, and the other thing is to know what you're doing. If you're given a task and this is how you've been doing it and there's stakeholders that do appreciate the work that you do, the one-off where, you know, someone's, someone's gonna treat you badly, you kinda just need to take that, you know, the way that it is, have a thick skin and just move on. Because the one thing is that no one person is ever gonna tell you who you are. You know who you are from your experiences, from your values, from, you know, the love that your parents and your family gives you. So, that's that's the experience that i've had with stakeholders mm-hmm.
5: so thick skin, fully believing in the work that you do being exactly. proud of the work that you do yeah that's yeah. super important so when thinking about again from the outside my perception is that like people who aren't civically engaged or just kind of like devil in politics during elections is that people view Canadian politics as very polarized, you know, red doesn't like blue, blue doesn't like orange, we all don't get along, stuff like that. Um, as individuals who have worked in the space, do you believe that partisan politics is as bad as everyone believes, or is there kind of an opportunity for the, the cross party lines and to work together?
2: We can probably
5: just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, I think it's extremely polarizing if all you do is watch the media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, the space that exists for media now is very, you know, you gotta get the attention right away and it's the the 30 second clips and that's what gets you. So when the cameras are on, the politicians do tend to be a little more polarizing than they are when the cameras are off. And I think the, the fortunate thing we've had being in the back rooms is you get to see when the cameras aren't off, and I think there is so much collaboration that happens, and not just at the representative level, but even between staff. Mm -hmm. If I'm running into an issue and I've got to work with a different level of government or a different party, I mean, we've got to work together to get things done. And it's so easy when you can pick up the phone and go, hey, Navi, like, what's going on? Or what's your members' thoughts on this? How can we work together? And this isn't just, you know, one-offs that happen, it happens all the time, and I think Hollywood does a really good job of it and media does as well where you know they make the backroom dis- discussions look dirty and that's where the tricks get played and all that. That's actually where the real work gets done and that's where a majority of that collaboration takes place.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's very polarizing and I do think the media has a lot to do with it. I also think that there's sometimes individuals that um, kind of feed into that and you don't need to do that. Um, Party politics is like at the end of the day, we're all just trying to make a better society. And there have been times when you know other parties have reached out to myself or we've reached out to one another and we've worked together on issues, especially if it's something that is for the good of the community. So, really, um, yes, to answer your question, you know, party politics is polarizing, but we it doesn't need to be. Um, And it really just takes one or two people in good faith that reach out and do that work together in order to get something done. And that's the most important part, what what the issue is, how to solve it. And there are people in every party that are willing to help you get that done.
4: Um, I actually agree. I think that media has a lot to do with you know, making people think that there's polarized party politics and to a certain extent that there is. Uh, It really just depends on the individuals Mm -hmm. and the groups of people that you're dealing with. Um, I'll give a very small example. Um, Canvassing last year, uh, we ran into another party's canvassing team and you know, uh, we just passed by them. We were very cordial. We said hi, you know, made small talk about the weather and um, as we were as we were walking past them, uh, you know, someone heard one of their volunteers needed water and they didn't have any or like their car was parked somewhere far away or whatever. And, you know, we had extra, extra bottles and we offered it to them. And I don't think that they expected us to offer them help and we didn't expect them to accept that help. But, you know, that really goes to show you that there is room to work together. I think just the fact that the four of us are sitting here today, um, you know, Supporting different parties, supporting different ideologies, and we've found something that you know we have in common, and we're sitting here trying to ins- inspire more people that have that in common. I think it really goes to show that there is a lot of room to collaborate and work together. Mm-hmm. And so, I think, can I just oh, add yeah, to that? Please. I think
2: understanding that, highlighting that, is so important because as as a voter, you you see what the media portrays, you see an ounce of what the representatives put out there, but we can only continue to have good dialogue, produce collaborative policy if we're encouraging the people that aren't polarizing, right? And I think that's a really important thing, that mm-hmm. we need to be putting the people that are doing a good job and working together at the forefront and not so much the ones that are trying to divide and be decif- and decif- Trying to divide yes. <laughs>
3: yes. On top of that, there's there's individuals um, that kind of work with all parties in order to get things done, and sometimes those are the individuals who can be the bridges that help connect you and say, "Hey, Navi, you um is working on this too, and it's a similar issue. Why don't and you to connect?"
5: Organizations.
2: Exactly,
3: exactly, and organizations who can be bridges in order to do that. So.
5: So one thing that we're also trying to do with the corporates panel is just trying to break down some of these perceptions that you may have about politics. So the polarization, the theme of polarization is so rampant within Canadian politics. You know, you have that 15 second soundbite from question period or right after the scrum, um, something like that. So I'm really happy that you guys believe that there is the ability to work behind closed doors to get the job done because ultimately our members, our politicians, they're they're there to do good. Um, So that's how we get some good work done. Mm So glass ceilings today aren't what they always were. I believe that you know we're very fortunate to have the layout and the political sphere that we do today, and I believe this is largely because of women that came before us um, So did you guys have any mentors in the political sphere? How did they impact you? If you could also add where you found your mentor if you had one? Um, my answer kind of sucks <laughs> um, and that's okay <laughs> totally okay
2: um, so. Growing up, I didn't like. I was always interested in politics. Always watched the news, um, but I didn't have someone that I, I looked up to, and that might just be because there was no one in this space, and that's kind of why British Chager like blows my mind. Um, but for me, and this was a quote I had read sometime during my undergrad, and it really sticks with me. And it's, "Let me be to someone what no one was to me." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you know whether we had mentors or we didn't have mentors, it's really important to allow yourself to be that if you're in a position where someone is reaching out. Um, for me, I think my two biggest mentors have been my mom outside of politics. The the resilience and the work ethic definitely comes from her. But for me, I would definitely say my boss at the moment is my mentor. It, it's really helpful to have a strong, woman, a strong woman be your boss and also be in that space because I find when I do run into stakeholders or I run into uncles and aunties that are not as receptive um it's harder for them to not give me respect because they're already walking into an office that's run by a female right an elected female so i I think i'm really fortunate with that and then just the learning opportunity that comes with seeing someone in power um, that's still able to be compassionate understanding strong fierce when she needs to be i think that makes a big difference
3: yeah i definitely think there there weren't a lot of mentors um when you get into the field, especially at at our age, um, there weren't a lot of women that, you know, were taking up the forefront and being in the back rooms, um, and definitely not as much female candidates as there could be. Um, For myself personally, I was very fortunate to have um, mentors at different stages. So, you know, prior to getting involved in politics and just be, being an activist out in the community, I had the mentor of Lavline, who's sitting here right now, um, just helping me find my voice and, and be more vocal and get involved about issues. And when I got into politics, it was Melissa, who um, is now the national director, um, and she was amazing. And it was these mentors were were mentors but also friends and were also able to you know give constructive feedback but also add, ask me for my opinion my advice and i think that in a mentor was really helpful because it showcased how much they valued my opinion and helped again build um, the ability for me to go out and do the the amazing things that i did so there, it is it is few and far between, um, which is also why it's super important for me personally to be a mentor for the next generation and help out whoever I can.
4: How mm-hmm. do you have anything to add? Yep. So I agree that there was a lack of, you know, Sikh women or just women in general in politics as we were, we were growing up. Um, so my inspiration for politics is a little bit in, unconventional. I look to people like... Indian parliamentarians that work, you know, in India, like the because being a politician in India is just so hard. I think it's even more so difficult than it is to be a politician in Canada. And you know, to watch these women speak in question period or even outside of question period, you know, projecting their voice, just the passion that they have. You know, people like Smriti Irani and a Sikh woman like Gurinder, who's who is a politician. And these women are the women that inspire me. And being, you know. a future lawyer, I really wanna learn from them, the way that they speak, the way that they project their voice, the way that you know they exude confidence. So those are the women that, mm-hmm. that inspire me. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm totally gonna get my ass kicked if I don't mention Gertrude being a mentor. Um, so uh, the influence she's had is uh, take risks. This girl is just, she does what she wants when she wants. And I think um, having more women like her is also key because mm-hmm we are taught so often to, to be good girls and you know, to check all the boxes, to get the straight A's, to not take the risks, to you know, not get hurt out there on the field. And um, I think another big thing about mentorship is you know, creating a space that's safe but still allows you to take those risks. And to take the risks like you know, hiring a campaign manager that has no
5: experience <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. that's beautiful. Um, so uh, I might get in trouble if I don't do this, but the WSO just launched a SIC mentorship program. <laughs> it's really great. Uh, we do have people within the political sphere. Um, if you're looking for mentorship in, in any avenue, but specifically in politics, um, you have like, all of these great women up here. We're launching this uh, across the board, so we want to create the space to have sick political mentors, and to help pave the way for our future generations. So if you're a young person looking to get involved, please let me know. So I'm currently doing my Master's in Political Management, um, it, it is taking place in Ottawa, so the scene is very much federal. But when you think about um, outreach into communities, I thought there would be a little bit more specifically on how to reach out to specifically ethnic communities and stuff like that. Um, so. How is outreach within the Punjabi, within the Sikh community different than working with other communities?
2: Just wants, Someone else want to start on that, i got to think
3: about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, really interesting, there's a lot of similarities um, and then there's some differences, uh, obviously being from the community, from, some, from the Sikh Punjabi community, I'm sure um, I, I can understand the differences more. Um, but. A lot of the issues are similar between communities, and the way communities, especially marginalized communities, organize, is similar. There's you know gatekeepers, there's individuals that you can reach out to, um, that know their community and that can help you understand what that community does and how they organize and you know where they pull together. So it's different in the sense of um, sometimes the issues might be different, but they do organize very similarly. Um, and I find within our own community um, our gatekeepers especially in politics tends to be older male um, and there's very few I don't very few female very very few I think you could probably count on one hand um, in other communities it's not like that other communities you know some females might be more politically charged and, and, and hold, be the gatekeeper so uh, it's very different um, and similar at the same time um, and there's more expectations in our community in terms of how you organize when you come from that community.
5: If I can just add, through your experience, do you think that the gatekeepers are moving from the older community to the next generation? Do you see that rise of young people now being the gatekeepers that politicians should be targeting?
3: Um, are you talking specifically in the Punjabi community, or yeah. in different communities? I, I see that a little bit, not as much as what should be happening. Um, I do find the younger generation is more willing to work together, like everyone on this panel, for instance. Um, whereas the older generation sometimes c- can be more polarizing. But again, those are, you know, the, it depends on who you're talking to. Um, it's not translating over as much as you would think. Like a lot of the knowledge is still kept um, the with level. the older, yeah, yeah, with the older generation.
4: Totally fair. Yes, I'll go next. Um, so I think the community outreach within the Punjabi community has a lot to do with like word of mouth. You know, like you tell one person and they can go tell other people. And I think it's so important to get young women involved because you know there's so many times that I've worked um, as as a volunteer during elections and I see I see parents influencing their their child's vote you know these girl these girls are 18 years old they don't they don't really need anybody to tell them who to vote for if if they've done their research you know schools um, have programs where like they they teach kids like political parties you know like the ideologies that other every political party has so it's so important to have these programs like the the one that Kirpa mentioned that really puts our young women out there and it and it really shows them that, um, you know, j- just to have a mind of their own and not to be influenced by, by the political ideologies that you know perhaps their parents have.
3: If I could just, mm-hmm. go, go I don't know if you want um, I actually found that word of mouth is true. It is something as, uh, also Punjabi um, radio uh, and media and TV. You like as organizing the Punjabi Sikh community, you need to know your media. And if you don't know it, it's like going to ruin you. <laughs> like that's one of the things you need to know, which is great why getting is getting involved in that space. Amazing. But I also found something very different in terms of um, a lot of the campaigns I've worked on and worked with have been youth run. And so we've found that when you educate them and you tell them about the issues and, and have them decide for themselves, they also can do the reverse where they talk to their parents about the issues and they can become... Kind of like the power brokers, and be like, no, mom, dad, like these are the issues. This is why I think you should vote for this candidate. So I've, it's really interesting that we've seen it, yeah, 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 seen it in different ways. But yeah, I've seen both um, the the older gatekeepers, like um, like our senior groups, but also the youth take up charge and, and also be able to influence as well.
2: So I think one of the main differences I've seen between uh, outreach in the Punjabi community and outreach in other communities is we like to do it bigger, louder, (laughs) um, and very, very informally. Um, You'll never get an RSVP. Um, Never. So, yeah, it, it's working in that space. And I actually think we're at benefit because we get to do that and then we get to do outreach on the other side. So, we get two different, very diverse skill sets. Um, I was really fortunate in 2015, our campaign office was a sorority house. We had like Our campaign was the, the typical uncles and then 16 year old girls. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to see it work. I mean, like, we won based on uncles and 16-year-old girls, um, but those girls, that they picked up policy, what they were saying at the door, how they were mm-hmm. learning to be confident in themselves, to communicate message was amazing. So I think that, that old uh, the older senior dynamic is still there and they still hold a lot of influence, um, but I also do think they're... Massive allies for us. I mean, I've run into situations where, you know, speaking to a media uncle and he's just like, there, there, little girl, and an uncle will take a step behind me and go, no, she runs shit. You gotta listen to her and the respect changes. And I mean, it, it sucks that I need a man to stand behind me to to take that first step to get the legitimacy, but that is what he for she is about, right? It's These uncles are also realizing that young women like us are the future of our parties and mm-hmm. that we do bring a lot to the table. We bring a lot of hard work to mm-hmm. the table and it makes a difference. I also think, um, the, the means of communication, the means of influence are changing, so social media is taking a massive prevalence in how we communicate the message, how people interact with their politicians, so the, the the uncles and some of the aunties do have a lot of influence, but we do see it shifting to, you know, Facebook groups, to WhatsApp and whatnot, and I think that is uh, where the youth can play a very crucial element, because they know how to use that a lot better.
5: Mm -hmm. This brings up another important point of allies. So this is a Sikh woman in politics panel, but I would just like to give a quick shout out to all the uh, people who identify as male in this room. Um, We appreciate you in this space and we want you to also be a part of the conversation because allies are super important when you're trying to break down these systemic barriers that we face. So frankly, we can't change the way that we look. So when thinking about your experience as a staffer, how has being a young woman of color impacted your experience?
3: No, this is a hard question. I know this is a hard question. Um, how has it impacted my experience? I don't. I don't know if it has. I mean, to I be had honest, I have
4: time with this question as well. Yeah.
3: To, to be honest, I um, similar to what Gideon was saying, like I was very fortunate to have um. Bosses and the candidate who you know really stood behind me and would say like. No, Navi is the one that is going to get this done, or you need to connect with Navi, and this is my, you know, this is my person. So um, I've been very fortunate that I've had positive experiences. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't hard, like doing all these different campaigns. They're, they're hard and you learn a lot about yourself, um, and you learn a lot of skills in a very short period of time. But I don't think that being a female, like none of that judgment that came across was ever something that got to me. Um, Or something that just kind of brushed off because I did have, you know, a lot of of what we organized with was youth. And so um, we had people that came through that, you know, just believed in the youth and were willing to give us an opportunity and a chance. Um, And the individuals that didn't weren't individuals that walked through our door. So we were fortunate in that regard. Um, And the group of stakeholders that were around us were people that believed in us. Um, and saw the work that we did, so I was very fortunate in that sense. Um, in terms of thinking of an experience where being a female was something that sent me back, I, I honestly can't think of something off the top of my head.
5: That's really reassuring, because I did not anticipate that, so it's really good to hear. <laughs> yeah. I
2: would also say, I don't think we realize it. I mean,
5: like we don't go into
2: a space going, "Okay, I'm a, a female and I'm of color, right. and th- this uh, somehow this interaction is going to be negative because of that." We don't realize it. I have had come, people come up to me and go, "Oh, that person was disrespectful, and it was probably because of that." Or, "Do you think people don't listen to you because you're the only female in the room?" Um, and then you then you think about it a little bit. In, in some situations, it's true, but. Um, I mean, we, we don't walk around with that label, we don't let that label define us. Um, and it, it, it just is about, it's doing the job You get the job done and the merit will come with it. You might run into a couple of uncles that are like, oh, this is just a girl, right? Um, What can she do? But when you do have the support system around you, the environment around you that that allows you to do the work and prove that you can uh, get the job done, then the respect comes with it and hopefully even by then where we're changing the mentality Mm -hmm. even a little bit and I think that has a lot to do with it. There definitely are situations where, you know, I'm the only woman in the room, or I'm the only person of color, but use that to your advantage, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Spread out. You take up more space. You don't let what we've been conditioned by society to tell us we're supposed to be doing be the status quo.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: It's like owning it and using it to change perceptions. Yeah, exactly. I really like that.
3: Now, reflecting. I don't know if you want to jump in. I, but I'm sorry. Did you want to jump in first or? Oh, I think you can okay. I'm um, reflecting actually that I I I remember one instance where um it was another woman who was not of color. Um that you know, during during one of the campaigns, we were hitting the targets that we needed to hit, um, and so doubt started to seep in on my abilities, and that happens with anyone. Um, but it was I was in a very fortunate position where I had a community behind me, and the community. Propped me up when I couldn't think that you know I could I could do it or I was able to function properly. So um, I was really fortunate in that regard when you know those people stepped up around me and say okay let me help you like let's figure this out together. And then from there once you know the foundation was built we just kept going. So there are moments where um, that happens, but those allies and the community around you and the people that you can go to for advice really help in those moments.
4: So. You know, when you hear right experiences as a as a woman of color, you're always gonna first want to think about the negatives, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's just the connotation that that's been around there. And I think all of us have only had positive experiences being a woman of color, um, and it's it's the same for me. Um, I've gotten opportunities that I probably wouldn't have. Be- being a you know a woman of color, I've got to speak at events. I've gotten case files where there was a Punjabi-speaking person on the other end, and I I got to help them. So I think being a woman of color has only helped me. It's never taken opportunities away from me. Um, one thing that I will say is I think both of you kind of mentioned it as well is that the when you're a young woman, that has more of challenges for you than being a woman of color does, and that's something that we need to change because you know young women are intelligent, they are smart, and you know, they do have a mind of their own, and the dynamic around that needs to change. But other than that, as a woman of color, I can only think of positive experiences that I've had. And I think
2: a portion of the dialogue that we really need to have, because I've seen it over the last couple of years, is that it's, it's the aunties that are a little more disencouraging than the uncles are, um, and they don't mean it in a bad way. They're they're just coming from their understanding of you know how you live life, and they're concerned about okay, well, can you do this job? Can you live away from home? How are you going to raise a family with the 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 timeline that you work on? Um, and so the questions they ask, you know, valid questions, but that's where the disencouragement is a lot more, it hits you at your core, um, Mm -hmm. than, you know, an uncle telling you, you're not fit for this job.
5: Mm -hmm. So like, kind of where the self-doubt stems from, because you would Mm -hmm. expect them to be so super supportive, be allies for us, yeah. And And
2: I've I've had an auntie go, oh, I didn't know that this was the role you were doing until it was finished. And at first I was like, oh my God, I must have done such a bad job. Um, but then I really started thinking about it and it was more, you know, I didn't behave the way a man would doing that role. And that's where she was coming from. And she was expecting a certain type of behavior and a certain type of role. And I wasn't fitting into that mold. and that, And even that was you know, we've got to change the way we look at how people fill certain roles. Mm-hmm. That's true, and to just to
3: add to that, um, and you guys can both correct me if I'm wrong, but coming into a role as a woman of color, sometimes your bosses understand that and take the precautions to help protect you in, in, in certain situations, or to, you know, give you a leg up in, so that you're not, you know, beat down on or bogged down in, in a certain way. So.
4: I completely agree with that. Like I've had instances where, you know, my my current boss who I've also worked with previously, he would always, you know, he's always pushing me to do better things, to take on projects that you know, I think that are outside of my capacity, but he always pushes me to do them, but he he'll al- always try to protect me a little bit, you know from from the from the experiences that he doesn't want me to have where, whether it's like you know working with a group that's all male or going out to do something that you know I probably shouldn't but he has always pushed me to take the right kind of steps and it's so important to find someone to work for that has your best interest at heart i believe that's really important
1: mm-hmm.
5: Great having a supportive boss is so important. I Just want to flag to the audience that um, I'm running to the end of my questions, still have a couple more. That being said, if you want to take some time to fill out your card, we do have volunteers that will come grab them from you and bring them up to me. So when thinking about your time as a political staffer, you know, a lot of people are like, what's your job description? What do you actually do? And I don't think that the public really understands that, Um, so if you could just speak a little bit to uh, the tasks that you do every single day and one thing that your role has really taught you. Do you want me to start?
2: Yeah, I I feel like you've been on the job a lot longer than we have.
3: Corporate knowledge. (laughs) So it, it really depends on the position. I had a lot of different ones. When I was a constituency assistant, a lot of it was, um, you know, helping with casework, doing outreach. Um, it was, you know, managing schedules. It was dealing with people in the public. It was planning events. So you wear a lot of different hats. Um, when I was field director, it was managing a team. So it was having a team across. Um, a nation that was under me and making sure that they're okay and then going to team meetings and making sure the message was okay and and that nothing like there weren't fires everywhere so you wear a lot of different hats as a political staffer you sometimes are staffing your candidate at events so you know the job can be all-consuming and uh, you need to be able to multitask and be able to problem-solve and put out fires and be organized and kind of do a little bit of everything. Really,
2: and I think that is the the beauty of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say ninety nine percent of what I do, I was not educated or trained to do. Yep. So you learn so much, and I think I mean, correct me if I'm speaking for you here, but we we're really fortunate to work for people that are like, go do what you're interested in doing. Um, come up with the great ideas and so I I like to explain my job is I've done everything from grabbing the coffee to watching the kid to sitting in a room with the minister telling him what policy changes need to happen Um, and having the flexibility to do that again I, I come back to Everything and everything is a part of the job, and you get it done. Um, and so for me, what I'm most interested in, though, is the the community outreach, which you get to work with people of all different uh, mm-hmm. walks of life. I love the social media. I think that's such a fun thing to do, um, and it's such a great way to interact with constituents. Um, the, the policy stuff is amazing as well because you you get to learn so much about something. You never thought you would know anything about funding streams and how you apply for funding as a, as a government or as an organization. I would have never thought 10 years ago that that would be something that, that a space I'd be working in. Um, so it's it's what you make of it. Um, and yeah, getting a job description is really hard <laughs> with this job. Yeah.
4: It really is true that you'll be wearing many many different hats like you will be the coffee the coffee girl at some point and then on the other hand you'll be writing a speech or you'll you know you'll be working a, on a private members bill so it, it really just ranges from day to day and that's what makes it so interesting is that you're learning so many different skills and like you like you're inside that skills that you probably like wouldn't have learned before and you're not educated to do but you know you just you kind of just go with it and like Recently, I, I tried to write my resume, and I like my recent my recent job description was like this big, and I had to cut it down because there's just so much that you do. But it really just in the end, it really helps you move on into the world, and it it's. Like learning, learning engineering, right? You'll only you'll only be learning about machinery, or you'll only be learning about whatever it is that you do. Being a political staffer, you'll learn everything. Like you'll you'll have to make calls to people that you don't even know. Like you'll have to reach out to stakeholders that didn't know existed five minutes ago. So it really just it's it's all encompassing. I think that's the right it's word. It's a very well rounding <laughs> job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it really just. It's, it's a fun job, you, you get to wear different hats and you just got to make the most of it, I guess. Mm, that's if you totally don't know what
2: you want to do, try politics. <laughs> yeah,
4: it's a, it's a jack of all trades for sure.
5: Um, so we've kind of been having a very serious conversation about women in politics and the role that we kind of play, but I'd like to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, what is your funniest memory of your time in politics?
2: Um, so I had a lot of difficulty with this question because I was like, <laughs> "What? Like what? my job
5: isn't boring. I have a lot of
2: good, fun interactions. But like, what's funny, worthy of like kind of bringing up?" And it's my sister that was like an hour ago was like, "Oh, do you remember this?" So it was my 25th birthday. Um, my family was going somewhere, and I chose not to go with them because I was going to go to the funeral for Arnold Chang. Um, my boss had worked with him on committee, so I knew him really well. It was a, it was a loss. That that we, it was really deep. Um, And so, you know, Saturday morning I wake up, politics is just go, go, go all the time. And I feel like as a girl, can we talk about oily hair? (laughs) Um, And so my hair was a little oily, I didn't have enough time to wash it. So I was like, okay, great, dry shampoo, like, thank you. So I grabbed some dry shampoo from my sister's room, put it on my hair, you know, it's the whole towel thing. my hair looked more oily, it looked more sticky, and I was kind of like, what? Um, I used deodorant in my hair. <laughs> it was great. Also, 25th birthday, so yeah, I went to that funeral with deodorant in my hair. Um, but that is kind of the job. Like It's so, so busy that sometimes you don't get to wash oily hair. I didn't oh. expect any
5: beauty tips on that
2: panel,
3: but <laughs> yeah. I will Wash be putting today. that in my back pocket in the future. Um, <laughs> you right? Um, nothing like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. Um, you know what? Like, Kind of like what Gibran said. Um, there's nothing that sticks out to me but it's probably also because when you work as a political staffer and you work on campaigns your two days ago feels like two weeks ago like some it just all runs together and the most important part of the, all of that is like making moments of laughing with your team so I know there was a lot of moments where you know I was cracking up laughing with my team and like we don't like I can't remember what that joke was and why we were laughing so hard. But I do remember distinct moments of just having fun during that time. And I think that's the most important part. You do build a team around you that feels like family and becomes like a second family um, if you're not already working for someone that is family. But yeah, it's it's um, there's nothing that sticks out in my mind, but there are definitely moments where you're just, it's all fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, my funniest moment is Probably also my most embarrassing one, and the fact that I'm sharing this has a really good reason for it. So <laughs> wait for that. But um, so it was it was a community barbecue, and I had just finished um, introducing. The member and you know, waiting for him to come on stage. And I'm, the stage wasn't even that big; it was like a couple inches off the ground. And um, as I'm leaving, I trip and I fall, face flat on the ground. And you know, in the in like in the background, all I hear is like the clapping stops, and like all you hear is like "oh nose" and like "oh." <laughs> and <laughs> my nose is just in the ground. <laughs> and then, all of a sudden, there's like five people around me, you know, trying to help me up. And So that was the the funniest story, but the reason I'm sharing it today is that, you know, that, that moment could have made me, you know, feel embarrassed and like I would just be in my shell or like, you know, asked to go home, but on the contrary, what I did was I laughed at myself. I, you know, made fun of the fact that the stage was so small, how did I even fall or like the fact that I'm the clumsiest person in the office or, you know just like laugh at everybody that's, that was laughing at me, as opposed to let that, let that one moment define me and you know be embarrassed about it. So that was, that was my funniest story yeah. and the most embarrassing
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kind of going off what she was saying and answering one of your previous questions, I think what this job has definitely taught me is confidence. One thing I tell a lot of young women that are interested in pursuing something that they think is outside of the realm of possibility is just fake it till you make it. Um, you fell, the the worst thing you could do is, you know, draw more attention to yourself, feel embarrassed, you just get up,
5: go, that was cool, (laughs) that was meant to happen. That
2: and was walk me. Off. I and did I that.
3: <laughs> just owning that really is yeah. the most important part. Yeah. yeah,
5: having that confidence, that thick skin, that thick skin. Or faking the confidence.
4: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, you just you just have to fake it until you make it, and I assure you, you will make it because that's what I used to do. I I was I wasn't the most confident when I started this job, and. Um, I've only been at this role for, I think, about seven, eight months now, and the confidence, like, my parents even see it, my boss sees it, so it's just the confidence grows on you, so you just gotta fake it until you do make it, yeah. That is
5: one of my life models as well. I feel (laughs) like, so... Backstory: Tani and I used to work together uh, in 2015, so that was definitely something we shared in the office because it's so important. Um, But one of the questions from the audience is that we all come from a point of privilege. Like when you break down privilege within the Sikh community, we're very lucky to have had the opportunities that we have. Uh, You know, we had people pave the way for us, my mom paved the way for me specifically. How can somebody who doesn't have that privilege or have these opportunities get into the political sphere?
3: I'm gonna just... (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> um I think that a lot of us just volunteered um in the beginning. So, you know, we do have um we definitely do have privilege, but um a lot of the campaigns we I've been a part of and, and have run has been trying to find young people and, and older people who are just willing to take a chance. Um, and these are all skill sets that everyone can learn. So, you know, if you feel like it's something that is important to you or something that you think you might be interested in, just just send that email or just reach out to any one of us on on up here on stage. It's not really a stage but um, to reach out to any one of us. And, you know, it, it, if anything, you will try something and you'll find out whether you like it or not. But um, a lot of the times it's just being out there and doing it once or twice and seeing if, if it's something that agrees with you. And it's a skill set that you can also build. So um, a lot of it really is, like, none of us, well, I don't want to speak for either one of you, but, like, I really just got involved by, by trying and by other people seeing something in me.
4: I think that's that's really where it starts. You start by volunteering. It kind of gives you the opportunity to learn from the grassroots up anyways, so I think the, the younger that you are, and the younger that you get involved, I think is the best. Because in any profession, you do have to volunteer. Like even if you're trying to be a doctor, you have to do the residency, right? You have to kind of volunteer in hospitals, and that way, and then you go on to becoming a doctor. Even as a lawyer, I had I have to volunteer at you know law offices or law clinics, and then move my way to becoming a lawyer. So. That's just what it is with politics as well. You start off by volunteering and just work your way up from there. Um,
2: The other thing I find, so like hands down, contact whoever you're, if you're interested in doing something, find someone that's doing it. Slide into their DMs, send them an email at 2 Um, (laughs) a.m. Butter them up a little bit. Be like, hey, what you're doing is so cool. You're a trailblazer. Like, I'd love to sit down for coffee or something like that. I don't know many people that would say no to that,
4: right? I mean, especially <laughs> it is election year, so nobody will say no to you. <laughs> but I think what's Very really, true. really
3: important is also like doing a little bit of that work of, of knowing um, who and why you want to get involved and whether the, the, what someone stands for meets with, like, you know, your ideologies and what you believe in because then you're going to be more passionate and um, caring to do, to volunteer and just be there and, and be just present. more
4: motivated to help them mm-hmm. if their ideologies meet with yours. Mm-hmm.
3: It's
5: very important. Yeah, you
4: mm-hmm. got to figure out what you want.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So do your research on your candidates, find somebody who shares the same values as you and send that one email. It mm-hmm. could uh, literally change, change life. your life. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as an insider, do you think the activism on issues that both six and non 6 do actually make a difference? This is a hard question. I think it definitely question.
4: does make a difference. I think just the fact that we're sitting here today having this conversation to get, you know, young women involved in politics, it really goes to show you that the work that, you know, not just us, but like all staffers do, really does make a difference in the community. And um, there should be more of it, I think.
3: I agree, I think no matter where you go in the world, um, sick people have found their ways into positions of you know, city councilors and uh, MPs and MPPs and MLAs and um, we are a very strong voting base. We are very strong um, brokers of, of power and so um, at least in Canada, we are definitely a very strong base and so knowing what those issues are and, and championing those is it's huge we can definitely make a difference and we're very fortunate of being one of those communities that is very strong and that politicians listen to and want to appease because we know how to organize them with vote really
2: mm-hmm. i think on sick issues our community does a really good job of being mm-hmm. loud and proud and, and united and united mm-hmm. um but i mean so we are all back in the back rooms, uh, a little more of the insiders. One thing I've noticed, and I've struggled with so much, and this is where I'm going to disagree with the other two on the panel, um, for for general issues, I find sometimes um, what activists are doing actually hinders the ability of politicians to get the job done in the back rooms, because the focus gets redirected from actually championing the issue and attaining uh, tangible change in comparison to trying to manage the stakeholder or the group that is doing the activism. And I think that's where we need to do a better job of bridging, hey guys, keep applying this pressure, but when you word it this way or you do it that way, it makes it a lot harder for us to, to champion it because the government or whatnot will turn around and go, well, you know, this or that. Um, and that's something I've struggled with with a lot of issues since 2015 of, I've been out there, I've been the protester and now being on the inside I'm seeing, oh my god, that actually isn't making the tangible impact. And will give you an example, um, the, the LRT going through Brampton. Um, showing up on the streets and making a lot of noise sometimes does not have the same amount of impact as one person walking into a room going, hey, I've spoken to so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and and here's a political spin to all this that we could make it work. Um, And it's where do our representatives put their very, very limited time um, to have the most tangible impact. And I know it's not an opinion people outside of the inside room uh, like to hear that the activism sometimes doesn't go as far as we wish it would, but I think it's because we haven't bridged that gap and opened that communication because our representatives still are afraid of the masses.
1: So this is where I
3: fundamentally disagree, and I think Perfect. that is that is the difference in ideologies, and which is why it's so important for you to know who and what party and what representative or whatever it is that this speaks is a to you. Opinion. Yeah, totally, totally, um, because I've seen from my experience, sometimes that needs to happen in order for anyone to pay attention and, 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 and see that there is actually an issue here. Um, and that is when sometimes doing those things will get you the attention of members or other people who you need to have those conversations with and then can have an eloquent like you know, conversation. But I do agree in the sense of um, when it comes to sick issues. We, a lot of the times we are able to get that message across and work together in the back rooms and, and just push it through and people don't care as long as the, the issue is being championed. And
2: I think that's that's the important thing. It's depending on the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
4: Yeah. I think it's also I'm important sure to remember that... I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I think it's also important to mention that um, you can't appease everybody. There's always going to be a group of people that is unhappy with the choices that you make and like Kieran said that I mean sorry Navi said that it is important for you to choose to work for someone who matches your ideologies because that person or that member is going to work towards the issue in the way that, you know, their ideologies um, align with. And so if yours do, then you're, you'll be a happy staffer, and if they don't, then you'll be a sad staffer. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, it's going to be more challenging, for exactly. sure, your job. And yeah. we exactly. all
5: want to be happy staffers. Yes, <laughs> yes.
2: And it, what I want to add to that is um, the privilege we have in doing mm-hmm. what we do. Yeah. Um, we, we are exposed to people that make decisions that choose the course of the future of our country, our province, our city, Um, and it's so important that you you align with their viewpoint, but to also recognize the influence that we have on their Mm -hmm. views. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm in a car, I spend more time with my boss than I do with anybody else in my life, right? Um, And it's not always work, work, work. Um, We have general conversations, how I see an issue or how I see a world event or how I view a person. I mean, that's a dialogue that we share because we're friends as well. And that seeps into your thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that if you're interested in getting into politics and all that, it's, there's a lot of benefits that come with the job and the, the ability to change policy to to bring what's of your own interest to the job. You don't just need to be a politician to actually make a difference. What mm-hmm. we do in these back rooms have a lot of a lot of impact. Yeah. And one thing I will say is we will be around a lot longer than the representatives that you elect. It, it sucks, but their, their their career spans are a lot shorter, and what we do in the back rooms, what we learn in the back rooms tends to be institutional knowledge that we we will continue to contribute for a really long time, whether we're actually doing the job in the moment or we're just interacting in, in the
3: space. What's really actually sad to, to that point is um, a lot of the time the candidate has no idea what we're doing in order to organize and create change. A lot of the times they can't know, they, they have to be protected and, and, and like have, you know, only see things a certain way so that they can charge forward um, because their days are hectic and busy and, and crazy and chaotic. Um, and a lot of the times the work that we do, no one, um, I don't want to say understands, but no one sees fully like the amount of effort and organizing and and, Thought power that goes into it, um, and if you're lucky, you have a really amazing boss that does and recognizes it. But a lot of the times, they don't, unless they were the organizer first and then jumped into politics um, as as the candidate. So yeah, it's being able I, to understand both sides, right? Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: I just wanted to add a quick point to that. I will be borderline preaching here, but I think it is <laughs> important to put this out there. Is that it's so. Important for young women to realize that you do not have to be in a position of power to feel empowered Mm -hmm. Right your power comes from you being confident your power comes from you seeking um, You know opportunities to going out there putting yourself out of your comfort zone That's where your power lies, and I think every woman in this room and even men But we're speaking about Sikh women, so we're stick with that has the potential to you know embody those qualities of of confidence, embody those qualities of self-worth in them. You just have to start, and I think, like we've said again and again, you just start by volunteering, and you just go from there.
5: Mm-hmm. Sounds good. So, last question, um, but before we break, I wanted to let everyone know that there is Ja and Somose, uh in the hallway, so please help yourself when we're done. Um, so, given that this event is related to Sikki and Sikh women in politics, how important are sick values uh, when working in your various parties? This is a tough question.
4: Oh. I will go last, Paula. Okay. <laughs>
3: um, I think, personally, um, it kind of was fundamental in our office and in everything that we did um, because um, a lot of the values of, you know, community work and making sure that everyone else is okay and bringing everyone up together and, um, you know, and um, all of that was very, very important and providing seva and helping helping the public. Um, so it was a lot of the core values of our office. And just having simple things like jaw and and snacks when volunteers came um, after school or were to go out for a canvas, just making sure that we're taking care of each other um, was super, super important. And I think sometimes that is determined by the candidate and sometimes it's determined by, you know, who is in these offices uh, running them. But I personally found, in my experience, uh, with the individuals that I worked with, that it was something that was important, a part of them.
2: Um, I, I look at the question a little more on an individual basis. I don't mm-hmm. think you can separate the individual from Sikhi. Um, who I am, who I've been brought up to be, the values I've been taught, are something hands down you bring to the job, whether you're secret or you're not, right? Um, and so, uh, I say this so often, I feel like The work that we get to do is like four-year spurs of SEVA Mm -hmm. Um, and it it really is like when someone walks into our office, they've exhausted all options and they're coming to you for help and sometimes it's in their most desperate, most vulnerable state and you get to be there for someone. And I think that is the fundamentals of what we get to do and what drives us to continue doing what we do. I'll give you an example of kind of how I... I approached the job uh, just a couple of months in. So, back in 2015, um, we um, my family had a loved one that had passed away, and we had gone to a member of parliament to get help in uh, getting a relative here for that funeral. Um, we were unsuccessful. There was a lot of frustration, and the the funeral went on. And it's it's really hard when you know you can't be there for a loved one's funeral. And so we 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 ended up getting elected in 2015, and. Um, I had a case come into the office, Um, at that point we didn't have an office or anything like that. It was December 24th and I remember getting a call from my boss, Um, I was out in New Jersey and this goes back to like work worker all the time and that's a choice I make, not her. Um, And it was a a family who had a father pass away and they wanted to get the brother to the father's funeral. And I was like, I've been on the other side. We're gonna make this happen, even if it means me writing a letter on December 24th, I'm tearing up right now. Um, if i 'm writing a letter on december twenty fourth to help that family have some support at that funeral, mm-hmm. and that is how I view this, the view the job that is how I encourage our staff to view the job of this is an opportunity to be there for someone else and I think a lot of that compassion a lot of that understanding of how you view the job comes from sick
3: valleys mm-hmm. yeah you do <laughs> you deal with you're, you deal with the public a lot um, and so who you are really gets represented, who's in the room, who's a part of your team, and, and what, um, what the mandate is, and who, like, what you want to represent is, is super important, and helping um, others out like in Sikhi, and, and providing seva is something that I think everyone um, thinks about when they're doing their job, and when you have people that come to you that are in some of the lowest periods of their life.
4: I think I learned the importance of having Sikh values um, in a political office was when working at a Brampton writing previously. Um, you know, you're predominantly representing people that are Punjabi and they are Sikh and you know, like uh, adding to what Navi said a little bit is that you've experienced or you know you know people who have experienced things that the people that are coming into the office are experiencing now and that really does help you help them a little bit more you know because you you've come from that and like you identify with these people and so it is really important for a staffer to have seek values that they can they can utilize to help other people that are coming into the constituency office like now I'm, I'm working with two People that are Caucasian, and you know, every time a Sikh person walks into the office, um, I'm the one that's dealing with it, right? Like I'm the one that's talking to them. I'm the one that's helping them. So it it really is important, and it you know, you're representing your culture, you're representing your faith to in front of like everybody else that's in the office and everybody else that like you know walks into walks into the office. So. I think it is really important to have those values. Mm-hmm. And I think it's
2: such a great opportunity to teach other people about Sikhism and what mm-hmm. we stand for. Um, we do uh, we do Vaisakhi on the Hill up in Ottawa and it's been going on I think since uh, 92 um, when Mr. Mully was there. Um, and uh, I've been involved, it's happening right now, I've been involved uh, for the last four years. and the amount of friends that I have up in Ottawa who did not know anything about Sikhism before, and now since I can't be there, are actually there at the pot making sure that you know people are getting served sort of food. That other volunteers that are coming in know you know you've got to cover your head, you've got to uh, cross your legs, and why we do that. It's such a great opportunity to make sure that we can teach the values and the importance of our religion um, to other people. Um, And that kind of feeds into why we need more people of the Sikh faith in all levels of government, in all political parties, so that there's someone there that has the knowledge to be like, hey, actually, this is this way. Um, I think it was a WSO panel where they were like, you know what, we need to stop calling it a temple we live in Canada, and we've got such a rich multicultural community that we can call it a gurdwara, and if you don't know what a gurdwara is, someone will explain it to you, but it should be a part of common language. Um, and I think that's that's mm-hmm. the, the next little step that we need to take to continue pushing to make sure that um, it's inclusive. Yeah.
3: Also working for someone that is so visibly Sikh, um and is wears a dasar, wears a karban, that's something that you just champion. Um, as their staffer and, and uh, see them champion as well, themselves. So,
5: mm, Kind of leading by example. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to the end of our panel, and I'm really sad because it was a really great conversation. That being said, there's lots of questions here, so I encourage you to come and reach out to the speakers as we go out for JA. But I want to thank each of you for attending today, and I'd like to call up Pradeep Gore to give final remarks.
1: So like I had mentioned earlier, um, Aside from working with Tanya, I've known Navi and Kiran and Kirpa before, and you know I've seen the work they've done, and I've, I've always been in awe. But there's a lot of stuff you guys touched on today, which really kind of uh, makes me, you know, empathize with the experiences you guys have had, and it gives a lot of exposure to what you guys have kind of have gone through. Um, you had mentioned something earlier about uncle politics. And one thing, and especially within Brampton politics, you know, it's a term we hear very often. There's uncle politics, and there's youth politics, and I'm saying, why not in 10 years, you know, let's build that road, let's pave that road, for there to be anti-politics, right? That that, and it shouldn't be that, you know, it should be community politics overall. Um, but there, there's always been this division, and I, I really hope that. Panels like this inspire um, new women, young women, old women, all women to get involved. Um, and like I had mentioned earlier, growing up for all of us, there were very few women that we could look up to and think, you know, I want to be like that person. Or that person is really paved the way. Personally, for me, one of them is sitting in this very room right now, and it's the same for Kirpa. Um, you know, the only person I could ever pinpoint was Arshana Nantiji that she's someone who works in a political world. She works in a political office, you know, how did you get there? How, how, how does that even happen? Because for most of us, our mums live very different lives. So, you know, going forward, I think it's really inspiring um, to see panels like this and you guys, and I, I can't wait to see how far you guys take it because the reality is that, you know, in the next 20 years or the next 10 years or whatnot, little girls will be looking up to you and the youth of that time will be looking up to you and it won't just be about uncle politics it will be about you know those aunties and how kirpa had mentioned earlier the uncles all sit in a room and talk about politics well guess what there's going to be rooms in the future where a bunch of women will be sitting together and talking about what just happened on cp24 um and that that to me is what i look forward to and i think that's what's really inspiring um that we can break these glass ceilings um so thank you guys for being a part of this today. Thank you for inspiring all of us. Um, and, you know, if anyone really wanted to come out today, um, you know, if for all of you who have come today, um, to the women especially, thank you. Like I had mentioned earlier, it takes one event. There's many faces, you know, um, and that I've never seen before today. Or maybe it's because you're from, you know, we all come from different parties. Or you heard about this event. And like I would mentioned earlier, it only takes one event one, you know, moment of initiative to get involved. So thank you for taking the initiative on a Saturday with nice weather outside to be here. Thank you to all the men and, you know, supporting this um, panel today and supporting this event. Um, And like Ikepah mentioned earlier, allies are very important. Um, You know, and what we want to emphasize is, this is, you know, we're not hating on male politics and, you know, pushing our vote for female politics. Where we're talking about the idea of a community, a community that has proven time and time again that when they work together, they can accomplish the impossible. Um, and you know, going forward, that's something that we all need to always look. You know, that's the lens that I think we need to be looking at um before they, we conclude today's event like i had mentioned if there was someone who had wanted to come to today's event and they couldn't make it out or you know if you know you want to carry on conversations like this there are many more events coming up within the month uh, one of them is actually being held tomorrow at city hall and that will be a community meeting with our mps so interestingly you guys heard the perspective from their staffers It'd be interesting to see now, you know, what their thoughts are on politics and community involvement and whatnot. So if that is something you'd be interested in, it'll be from 2 to 4 at Brampton City Hall Atrium. And uh, another political conversation event that we will be holding, um, hosted by the Sick Heritage Month, is How Cores Lead, which will be on Friday, April the 19th, from 7 to 9, and that will also be in City Hall. Uh, before i conclude i would just like to say thank you once again to our panelists um i know it's not easy you know voicing your opinion all the time and that's something a lot of us have had to get used to um you know and thank you from you know overall for being brave um this world this world of politics it, it takes a thick skin it takes you know it takes you to kind of Yes, make yourself wide and step forward. And like a lot of the girls had mentioned earlier, we've been conditioned by our community um, and just by society in general. And I'm not just saying that as from the Sikh community or the Punjabi community or South Asian community, you know that just in general society has always pushed forward that women should be docile and women should you know just help out and we've seen that over the years in many campaign offices that the aunties there are only helping out in the kitchen you know and they're not in ha- the part of the meetings and they're not behind the door and they're not the ones who are going door knocking and this is you know just proof to show that that's slowly changing um so thank you for being brave thank you for not listening to the aunties and the uncles and anyone who's ever said to you okay, you know uh uchini bolida don't say that you know it doesn't look nice i say you know what let's not worry about what sounds nice and you know looking nice let's let's worry about making positive changes and you know making a better future for ourselves Making a better Canada because that is what we're all here for. We're all Canadians, um, and whether you know we address this as Sikh politics or Brampton politics, at the end of the day, all we are all trying to do within the political sphere is work towards a better Canada and better communities for our future generations. Uh, thank you to the World Sick Organization for being a champion in leading such conversations and constantly act, um, you know, being an activist for issues that do uh, address the Sikh community and that the Sikh community has to face. I uh, thank you for allowing our voices to be heard and to the Sikh Heritage Month, you know, for once again putting together such amazing events. Um, events like this did not exist, you know, not, and I'm not even gonna go back this 20 years. If we just look back five years ago, this would have never been something that someone would be doing on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, thank you to the Sikh channel, for providing us a live broadcast and helping us get our voices out to uh, a much larger audience. It's very much appreciated. And as well to the Ontario Cal Southern Bar for providing us with all of our snacks today. And um, so please do have some snacks and do take this time to come and speak with the panelists. Um, as Gipa had mentioned earlier, the World Sick Organization also has many other initiatives such as the mentorship program. Um, and you know when, and when you think about mentors and mentees, a lot of time people think young people and you know an older person, not necessarily, um, I know a lot of us are involved within that program, and you know, it's not just a 16-year-old, it's someone who might be the same age as you, or someone who might be a little bit older than you, and they're looking for some advice, you know, and the most we can do as human beings is share our experiences. Um, we all go through different things, and you know, you all, a lot of the time, think you're alone. And I think this panel and these conversations just go—you know—they're proof to show that you're never alone in your own struggle. Um, there's always someone there to help. And if you may feel alone, all you got to do is just voice it a little bit, because you know you'll hear a larger echo co- coming back at you, letting you know that there is support for you. So thank you very much for joining us today, and do take this time to ask us questions or reach out via email or other events and whatnot. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this month's bonus episode of Ask an 86, the podcast. And I hope you found it as insightful as I did and in, in those attendance in what was a sold-out event. As always, you can find us on pretty much every major podcast platform. Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud. We're on all of it. If you ever have any questions, concerns, Um, or ideas for what we can discuss on the podcast, feel free to DM us on any of our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even LinkedIn. And our handle is pretty much the same for all platforms, at WorldSickOrg, With that, look out for our regular programming. We'll be dropping a new episode very soon. Until then... واہ ہے گرو جی کا خالصہ واہ ہے گرو جی